Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Hosea, if you're not there yet, we're going to Hosea, Minor Prophet, Chapter 10, Hosea Chapter 10. If you go to Psalms, Proverbs in the center, start going towards the New Testament till you get to Hosea, one of the Minor Prophets, go to Hosea Chapter 10. Tonight, again, we're talking about perfecting holiness. Perfecting holiness, Pastor? Yeah, the Bible tells us that we're to perfect ourselves in holiness. And that just means that we consistently live a life set apart to God. And again, I'm going to emphasize the significance of that, not just as it relates to staying out of sinful things, that kind of aspect of what we think of in holiness included. But I'm going to tell you also, as you're going to see tonight, when we walk in reliance upon our God in relationship to who he's made us to be, we walk in holiness. And therefore, God can use us. God wants to use us in this last day. More than ever, God wants to use the church. Amen? And so when we continue to live a life set apart to Him, He's able to do so. I want you to see on your notes, this is really, really good to understand a Bible basic definition of what is holiness. So on your notes there under the definition of holiness, it means living out the fact. Listen to that statement. Living out the fact. The fact. That Jesus made us the righteousness of God. What are we living out? That I already am the righteousness of God. I'm just living out the very fact of what I've already been made to be. Holiness is restraining the things that are against the Almighty God and receiving the things of God to replace them with. So we're already righteous. What we're doing is living out that fact that we are righteous, right with God. And in doing so, we restrain from our life the things that are against God. And we receive the things of God to replace them with. A key to holiness is, it's not just separating from something. It's separating from something to something. We're separating from something of the world to unite to what God wants us to walk in and have as a child of God. Moving on, you are already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Any amens on that? Notice this, you can't add to this. You can't add to this, but you can live a holy or unholy, uh, but you can live holy or unholy. It's a decision. It's a choice. The New Testament, as we're going to see, tells us clearly to live a holy life. So we have a part to play in fulfilling this role in our life to walk in the light of what God has for us. Again, you can't add to this righteousness, but you can live holy or unholy. Living holy, this is powerful. You ought to underline this last statement. is purposing to live according to the righteousness God gave you. You're purposing in life daily to live according to the righteousness that your God gave you. You're just simply purposing to live out This righteousness that God gave you. So I want you to see this in Hosea chapter 10 verse 12. If you're there, say amen. Sow for yourselves. Underline it. Sow for yourselves. What? 
righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean you make yourself right with God. No, not at all. You are already right with God. But to walk in holiness, what do I want to do now? So, into my life, the things that I know God says, I already am and already have. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in what? So what's reaping in mercy, pastor? Let me help you. You're not going to get what you deserve. Reaping mercy means I am not, as a child of God, going to get what I deserve. Right? So you're sowing for yourselves in righteousness, reaping in mercy. Notice the next statement. To do this, what do you got to do? Break up your fallow ground. We're going to touch on this in your notes. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he what? Comes and rains righteousness on you. Now, there is an application for this of this in our lives under the New Testament. Clearly, in the Old Testament, he would have been referring to the day Jesus comes and provides righteousness for them. But the Old Testament was written for our admonition and for our learning as well. So we can sow in righteousness... Sowing into our lives the things that God says we now have as a child of God to walk out. The kind of lifestyle he says we can live. And realize that in doing so, we've got to do something with this fallow ground. And we're going to do it until he comes and reigns in what? Righteousness. So when is that for us when he comes and reigns in righteousness? When he comes back ultimately, not during the rapture. Of course, rapture, you're going to take us away. But when he comes back to reign and rule on this earth. For a thousand years. So until that happens, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be sowing into our life, obviously, a righteous lifestyle. Right way to live. So number one, sow for yourself in righteousness. 1A, you're to sow for yourself righteousness and you will reap the harvest of what? Righteousness. Now even the New Testament tells you, book of Galatians. You sow to the flesh, what are you going to reap? He's talking to believers. He's talking to believers in the book of Galatians. He said, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap life and that everlasting. So obviously sowing to the Spirit or the things of the Spirit would also be sowing in righteousness. 1B, it is time to do what? So let me explain breaking up the fallow ground. You know, if you're a baby Christian just born again... Obviously, one of the first things you're doing is you're learning to begin to walk out what God says in the Word and how to relate that to your life. But what if you've been born again for a while? Do I, do I still have fallow ground to be broken up? Yes, you do. How do we get fallow ground as a believer that's been walking with God for a while? Notice the note on, I added it, the note on the, uh, behind B there. What does it say? This is referring to the sin of familiarity. How does my heart get hardened? So, come on, I've taught you this many times. How does my heart get hardened in relationship to the things of God, especially the Word of God, where I sit in church and I get really nothing out of it? I don't really get anything out of my relationship with God anymore. Why? Remember the parable of the sower? Mark chapter 4. So what's the fallow ground? Fallow ground, the first one he refers to, wayside soil. Fallow ground's hardened ground. So even a farmer... Every time he comes every year to get ready to plant that field has to deal with three things. Wayside soil, stony ground, thorny ground. He got to get rid of all of that so when he starts planting the seed, he's going to get a good harvest. So in relationship to righteousness, what's one of the number one things that's going to hurt my life as it comes to doing what's right? Fallow ground. This is more so for believers that have been walking with God for a while. Because if you go to that description of the wayside soil, what, I've taught you this many times. What is wayside soil? What is wayside soil? 
You're indifferent to the word. You're not paying attention. It's the outer perimeter of the actual field of which the farmer tries to go around and sow into the field. And that outer perimeter is hardened because it's just an outer exterior perimeter of the field. And in relationship to me and you, that has to me and you to do with one thing. We're not taking the time to listen to the word, dig our hearts up, prepare our hearts as good ground for the word. And we do that by doing what? Just being bored. Just going through the motions. If you got into the sin of merit as a believer, guess what? It's just another sermon from pastor. And if it's just another sermon, guess what that seed's fallen on? Hardened soil. It's not going to produce. So you and I don't want to get into the sin of familiarity, not only in receiving the word, but how about your lifestyle? Just getting into the motions of Christianity and not making it about a relationship to where you continue to keep your heart tender and soft toward God. Amen? Amen? So we got to be, be sure that we're doing what? Breaking up the fallow ground. We're to do this one see until he comes and does what again? Rains righteousness upon you. <clears throat> so that's until Jesus returns. Obviously for me and you, we're to live this out as a lifestyle. Could I get a better amen? amen. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Tell your neighbor, sow in righteousness. Why? Because you'll reap righteousness. You sow what's right in the sight of God in your life, you're going to reap what's right in the sight of God in your life. What if I don't sow what's right? You're not going to reap what's right in the sight of God. So realize you got to do this in context of relationship as a believer by not falling prey to the sin of merity, getting bored with your walk with God, bored with Christianity, bored with church. you got to keep your heart right with God, keep yourself in a position of obvious closeness to God and desiring to get to be uh, closer to Him all the time, drawing, nor, uh, into, drawing closer to Him all the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, pick it up with me in verse 16. On your notes, number two says, you must learn to do what? You must learn to do what on your notes? Underline that. Cleanse yourself. Guess what I can't do? Cleanse you. Guess what God can't do? Once you're born again, you're cleansed on the inside. But guess what God can't do according to these verses? Cleanse you. You got to cleanse yourself. No one else has been assigned to do it. No one else has been assigned to do it. Only you. 2 Corinthians 6.16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of God. Uh, uh, the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be what? My people. My people. 17. Therefore, because of that, because of that, do what? Come out from among them. From among who? Those who are clearly not walking right with God. Come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will what? I'll receive you. Look at 18. I will be what? A father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Now, we will be his sons and daughters, not just because we're born again. We're children of God because we're born again. But how do we get him to father us? By coming out from the world and doing things his way, submitting to what he tells us, receiving what he says. Then he is fathering us, and therefore we are actually acting like sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty, chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, so we read all of that to get to this verse that says, therefore, having these promises. What promises? He'll be a father to me. He'll father me. He'll father me. He'll give me guidance. He'll give me help. He'll give me direction. He will father me. Therefore, what am I to do? Having these promises, beloved, underlined it in your Bible, let us cleanse ourselves. Yes. You have to do that. 
Let us cleanse ourselves from what? Let us cleanse ourselves from some of the filthiness of the flesh. How much? Give me a good Texas all. So he said, you're to cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh. Two things. And spirit. Not just the flesh, but and spirit. Perfecting what? There you go. This is our title for our subject. Perfecting holiness in what? The fear of God. Now I'm going to come back to that verse, but I want to go to your notes for just a minute. 2A, cleanse yourself from all filthiness. Filthiness of what, Pastor? A1, cleanse yourself from filthiness of the flesh. So what is filthiness of the flesh? Ready? Outward actions that are carnal in nature. Outward actions that are carnal in nature. Cleanse yourself from them. Outward actions, things you know that you should not be doing that are carnal in nature. Now, here's how Jesus said that. Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, what are you to do? You're cleansing yourself from the filthiness of the flesh. If your eye causes you to sin, what are you supposed to do? So, are we going to have an eye plucking service? No. Is he telling you to pluck the physical eye out? Are we going to have a hand cutting off service? So, cleansing yourself from all filthiness of the flesh means anything outwardly. That I know I should not be looking at, I should not be handling, I should not be involved with. Those things that are going to try to pull me away from what is clearly a set-apart lifestyle unto God that are simply going to draw me in and cause me more harm and more pain in my life because sin will always cost you. Those type of things that obviously I would be attracted to, I must do what? Cleanse myself from. You have to cleanse yourself from them. So that means that if I'm tempted to give in to fleshly carnal things that the Bible says I should not have a part of in my life, guess what I got to do? I got to find a way to keep myself from reaching out to those things. Now I'll use this example real quick of a guy I heard for years about testimony. I've shared this many times. He had a pornography problem. He was a pilot. And he, you know, day of cell phones. I mean, you could get it on your cell phone, uh, go, go to most people's homes. I mean, it's not on my home, in my home, but, you know, in the context of satellite, you know, stuff, people bring it into their home and stuff, etc. And so even going into the hotels as a pilot, because he would fly, have to stay at hotels, fly back. Obviously, it's on the room, room's television most of the time. So he actually talked to a gentleman who he said, I'm struggling with this. I don't know what to do. He said, have you done what Jesus said? What did Jesus say to you? Cut your hand off. Huh? Cut your hand off. He said, obviously, you're tempted to give in to that cell phone, to look at it on your cell phone, aren't you? Yep. Have you tried not to? Yep. But you keep giving in. Yeah. Do you have to have a smartphone? I uh, don't know. Guess not. What do you need a phone for? Well, obviously, call people, stay in touch with my work and all that kind of stuff, my family. You got to have a smartphone to do that? Nope. Get rid of your smartphone. Thank you for all your amends about that. Get rid of your smartphone. Why? Cut your access off to what causes you to sin. That's what Jesus said. Amen? So he, he said, go get, a, go get a flip phone. Go get an old They still have them. Seniors aren't the only ones that use them. They still make phone calls. They still work. Go get a flip phone. If you don't have to have a smartphone, go get a flip phone. Now, what about your home? Do you have channels that that stuff's on at your home? Yeah. Then get, ditch all your satellite stuff. Right. J- just get rid of it, man. Say, so that's enough. I helped a young man walk through this one time years ago. I said, you got to come in your home? I said, yep. <clears throat> I said, right now, cancel all your subscriptions to all that stuff. 
If you cannot turn away from, number one, I don't know why you'd want any part of that on your television to begin with or even have access to it. But I said, but if you've got it, access to it, you got to get rid of it. Then on top of that, what do you do about the hotel? So this guy told him, he said, I'll tell you what you do. He said, obviously you're flying with another pilot. Yeah, you both stay at the same hotel. Yeah, here's what you do. In most cases in a hotel, you can go to the actual desk and say, I want the TV removed from my room. And most of the time they will. Now, if they won't remove it, guess what you can do? You get with this pilot buddy of yours. You want to get free from this? Oh, yeah. I'm tired of it. It's ruining my life. Great. So here's what you do. You tell your buddy if they won't take your TV out of the room, you tell them, now, when we get to the hotel, I'm going to be knocking on your door with a TV. Right, right. So hard to disconnect it. Right, right. Unplug it. Little cable. I'm going to bring it over. I'm going to put it in your room. When we're done, I'll take it back and hook it back up. Guy said, fine. So he did that. Did all this for almost a year. And guess what? He got totally free from pornography. And eventually he went back to having a smartphone. He didn't allow the stuff back in his home. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't have to remove his television from his room anymore. Why? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Now you would have to really tempt yourself major to go back into that temptation. This is cleansing yourself from filthiness of the flesh. Outward actions that are not right in the sight of God. To cleanse yourself, if it's a temptation you can't walk away from, you have to figure out a way to end that temptation. That's what Jesus meant, to cut off your hand, pluck out your eye. Better to go to heaven, his words. Better go to heaven than to burn in damnation by giving in to sin. Are you listening? So number two, you got to also cleanse yourself from all filthiness of what? Spirit. So what's the spirit, pastor? Talking about what gets inside you. See, the first one's outward actions. What's the second one? What you listen to. What you read. Because that stuff gets in your spirit, man. So how do you cleanse your spirit? Uh, Cleanse your uh, actual spirit, man, from filthiness of spirit. You watch what you listen to. If you have stuff that you're listening to that you know is not good and it's getting your spirit, man, you better find a way to get that cut out of your life. Now, I've known people who say, well, i got to go to the job. They listen to this stuff. Oh, come on, man. Now you got the little air, you know, the little air buds. I mean, there's so many different ways you can eliminate having to listen to stuff you don't have to listen to. Well, what about stuff you read? <clears throat> you know, I would tell people today, if you have a problem reading junk on Internet again or even on your phone, you need to get rid of the phone and get rid of the Internet. If you can't walk away from that temptation, then guess what? You're not going to continue to help yourself by feeding your spirit that stuff. You know what? Why Am I cleansing my spirit from sin? No, your spirit has no sin in it. You know what you're doing? You're keeping that garbage from trying to get into your heart. Because what it does, it blockades. Guess where all of the very life, the Zoe life of God that manifests into your life. Guess where it comes from? It don't come out from out here. It don't fall down from heaven. It's inside you. The Bible says that life is in you. And guess what you do by not cleansing yourself from filthiness of the flesh and spirit? You blockade it. You plug it up. It's like you literally plug all this stuff up. So I'm telling you right now, if you want to see the power of God emanating in your life, how many want to see the glory of God? Well, guess what? The manifest presence of God can't come out if you're blockading it from coming out with all kinds of garbage. So cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Let me help you. You're going to live a better life. I said, you're going to live a better life. Sin's still destructive. It hasn't changed. Romans is clear. The wages of sin is still death. And that means death of some kind. If you, in the case of a young man that I work with, he was about to lose his marriage. I thank God today. They're not only still married, they're now in the ministry. They're now doing a work of ministry. 
And that was all because his wife was willing to forgive and he was willing to submit to me and he was willing to do what I told him to do in relationship to these very things. And because he did, he got free from it. And thank God now they're helping other married couples. And I'm grateful for that because if you don't deal with that, guess what? His wife was on the verge of saying, enough, I'm out of here. Well, what if he wouldn't have cleansed himself? He probably wouldn't be married anymore. And I'm telling you right now, folks, sin brings death, period. Wages of sin, death. So if you don't get rid of these acts in your life, in some way, I guarantee it's not going to be good. It's not going to bring life. Thank God we can be free from it. So back to verse 1, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from this filthiness of the flesh and spirit. How? Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So what's the motivator then, pastor? What's the motivator to get rid of these fleshly things? What's the motivator to get rid of these spiritual things? You develop an awe and a reverence for your God. And you desire to walk in close fellowship with Him. How many know that 1 John chapter 1 tells you, if you're living in sin, you're breaking fellowship with God. If if you walk in awe of God, you walk in awe of how incredible He is, how wonderful He is. I don't want anything to stand between me and experiencing God in my life. How about you? But guess what? If you don't walk in a reverence and awe for God, there's no motivator to stay away from sin. And therefore, you're just going to keep walking in sin because your flesh likes it. But if you would like to actually draw closer to God, experience more of God in your life. Anybody want to experience more of God in your life? Well, guaranteed, if you, you're going to perfect holiness, how? By walking in the fear of God. An absolute awe and a reverence for this awesome God of yours. And if you do, it's a motivator. Because we don't have time. But again, in 1 John chapter 1, if you are walking in sin, what are you doing? You're breaking fellowship with God. Does he still live in you? Sure he does. But he's not going to fellowship close with you because you're walking in sin. I love something that Roy Hicks said for years, one of our pastor's spiritual dads. For years and years and years, Roy Hicks said this, God loves everybody the same. Say, thank you, Jesus. But guess what? He don't fellowship with everybody the same. Because if you're going to live in sin, God's not going to fellowship with you living in sin. You're, you're, you're separating yourself from fellowship with God. And I'm going to tell you who you don't want to separate from in the last days. Fellowship with God. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3. Praise God. So you and I as children of God need to realize too, if we do not separate ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, who are we giving rule over our life? Satan. We're letting him take advantage of us and do what he wants. And obviously, we should not allow that either, especially the day we live in already. It's bad enough as it is. You don't need to be giving him an advantage. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Can I say one more thing about filthiness of the flesh and spirit? You know, a lot of people, again, only would think of that likeness type of sin like I described. But you know, filthiness of the spirit even involves listening to stuff that is filled with doubt and unbelief. Don't just think of it as just, you know, you know uh, foul language. You know what I'm saying? A lot of Christians don't understand that also what is considered filthiness of the Spirit. How many understand unbelief is not of God? Doubt is not of God. And what hinders our ability to sometimes walk in faith is we don't cleanse our spirit from all the doubt and unbelief we're listening to. And if you're filling up on all kinds of doubt and unbelief, I will promise you, you're not cleansing your spirit, man, and keeping it clean from that stuff. 1 John 3. That was a freebie. No extra for that. 
1 John 3 verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Think of how the Father has bestowed on us His love that we should now be called what? Children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. Say praise the Lord. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. We don't really fully understand or know this side of life how incredible it's going to be when our bodies are transformed from mortal to immortal. Tell your neighbor, looking forward to that new body of mine. Realize you're going to be just like Jesus. When you come back here, you know what you can do with your body? You can still touch stuff. You can still pick stuff up, but you can also walk right through stuff. It's not fully understood on this side of of heaven what we shall be. We don't fully understand that. But, verse 2, we know, say we know. We know when he's revealed, when he comes back, we're going to be like him. Woo, come on. We know we're going to be like him. For we shall see him as he is. I cannot wait to see him face to face. Amen. I said amen. Amen. Now look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself. Wow. Underline it. Everyone who has this hope of what? Seeing him for who he is when he comes back. And he's coming back for me. Everyone who has this expectation does what? Purifies himself just as he is pure. Well, pastor, come on. If I'm already born again, I'm already good to go. Really? If we continue to live in an act of willful sin, the book of Hebrews warns us we're trampling the blood of Jesus underfoot. We can come to the place of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and if we do, we could actually miss out on all of eternity with God. Or in context to even still something not good, we could miss the rapture. And if you think it's tough now, if you think it's difficult resisting evil now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Now notice what he said again. If we have this hope or expectation of his return to come and get us, to see him for who he is, find out who we really will be, what do we do with that focus in life? We purify ourselves. When you think about the Lord's return, what should it be reminding you of? Stay holy. Stay purified. Stay separated from this world. Now there's two reasons why. It's not just for you to be prepared for his return. How about preparing others? How about preparing others? If, 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 if a sinner looks at you and you look no different to a sinner than himself, what does he have any reason to want to know your God? But if he sees a difference in your life and the liberty you're walking in in the midst of all the garbage that's going on in the world, that gives him a desire to want to see some change maybe in his life as well. Can I get a better amen? Number three, the Bible talks about the one who can and does purify himself. 3A, purification is a lifelong, underline it. It is a lifelong process that does not end until we do what? Till we see heaven. Because as long as you're here, there's stuff to keep yourself purified from. 3B, the Bible tells us, but let me back up. So remember the story I just told about that gentleman? So if you purify yourself from something like that and get free, guess what? It's not so hard anymore. It's not so hard to stay free. All right, 3B, the Bible does tell us how to do it and even empowers us to live pure. That's not what this teaching's about. I mean, that's a whole other teaching in itself to talk about the things that God will do by the help of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, break strongholds, on and on we could go. We're just talking about the importance of doing what? Perfecting wholeness in our life by keying on what we know we need to be doing. 
But thank God he helps us to do it. Amen? Notice uh, on 3C uh, there, the gospel is more than believable. I love this. It is what? It's livable. I've heard my pastor say that ever since I've known him. The gospel is far more than believable. It's livable. 1 Timothy chapter 5. <clears throat> 1 Timothy 5. So when you think of the return to the Lord, what should it make you think of? I want to stay pure. I want to stay pure. I want to stay ready for his return. Therefore, I can see him as he is to be seen, see myself for who I'm going to become, and be able to know that I'm coming out of here on the first bus load. Give some a high five. Say, I want to go out on the first bus load. Praise God. Amen. Because if you're a foolish virgin... According to the Bible, you ain't going. If you're a Laodicean, lukewarm Christian, you ain't going. But if you're on on fire, I love something pastor said today. I was listening to him this afternoon from his morning service. He said, people who all of a sudden, how do he say that? People who all of us, yeah, people who cool off in their heart get big heads. What a powerful statement. People who cool off in their heart, their walk with God, they get big heads. If they once were walking in love with God, hot for God, and now they've cooled off, they get big heads. Winning what? They think they're fine. Their head. Their head thinks they're fine. Oh, I'm okay. I'm good. I know God. I love God. Nobody can't tell me I don't love God. We found out this morning about loving God, didn't we? If you love God, what do you do? You obey His Word. And I guarantee if you cool off in your walk with God, you're not obeying His Word. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, talking to Timothy, a pastor, meaning that, as in context of this verse, you do not put people in positions hastily. You pray about it. Talking about ordination, or even in the area of elders, or in the area of deacons in the church. Don't lay your hands on anybody hastily. Listen, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. So what's another key to keeping myself pure? Do not share in other people's sins. How do I not share in other people's sins? Quit spending close time with people that live in sin. You don't want to share in their sin. What do you do? Stay away from them. Don't allow yourself to be in close fellowship with them. Amen? Number four, we all must endeavor to do what? To keep ourselves pure. Why? Because to do it, uh, you need to do it yourself to yourself. I like that statement. You need to do it yourself to yourself. It's required of you. Or why, would we be, why would we be told this to do this in the Bible? For be, therefore do what? Purify yourself from the wrong people. Because clearly, if you are not going to be in, uh, affected by other people's sins, you don't need to be fellowshipping with close, uh, close fellowship with people that are in sin. For see, never, say never. Never share or partake in another man's sin. In other words, don't be what? Don't be an accomplice. Don't be an accomplice. So you're going and hanging out with people that are going and doing things you know you shouldn't do. Well, I'm not doing them. Well, you shouldn't be hanging out with them either because it's just like the person sitting in the car while the buddy's in the store robbing the store. When the cops come to get you, they're taking you with them. Well, I just sat in the car. doesn't matter. You didn't flee. You know what the Bible says? Flee. Flee such people. Flee youthful lust. So realize you don't want to be an accomplice to stuff that obviously you shouldn't be involved in. Second Timothy chapter 2. Say praise the Lord, everybody. Second Timothy chapter 2. I love these verses. One year we did a youth event that God never told me to do, but we had fun doing it anyway. And we called it Vessels of Honor. We had shirts even that said, I'm a vessel of honor, a vessel of honor. 
on them. And uh, this is a powerful set of verses. God wants to use us in the last days. God wants to use us in the last days. God wants to use us in the last days. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. So how is he going to use us? Let's find out. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver. I mean, if you went, he's talking here like if you went to a, a king's home, you know, or somebody of great, you know, a great dignitary, great authority, in whatever house you go to, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but there's also vessels of what? Wood and clay. Some are for honor. Some are for dishonor. Some are for honorable use. Very obvious uh, times of special use. How many know, like, if you ever went to grandma's house and she had the special, you know, china cabinet with all the special, you know, china in there? That was for honorable use. Not like the other stuff's bad, but the point is it was for special use. So he's given this as an example to us and some for dishonor. 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, underline it. If anyone cleanses himself. So over and over and over again, the Bible tells us we have to do this. If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, what's the latter? That which is dishonoring to God. If it's dishonorable to God, what am I supposed to do? Cleanse myself from it. If anybody cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for what? Tell me out loud. Honor, Honor, sanctified and useful for the powerful. Sanctified and useful for the master. Prepared for what? Every good work. What's every good work? Every work of God. 22, therefore flee also youthful lusts, but pursue what? What are you supposed to pursue? Doing what's right in the sight of God. Pursuing faith, meaning what? Obedience to God. Faith is just doing what He told you, right? Believing what He told you. Love, walking in love towards others. And peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So again, verse 21, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, what? That which is dishonoring to God. What will you be? What will you be? Vessel for honor, right? Hold your place there. I'm going to add a little extra verse for you. Go to Isaiah, book of Isaiah. I'm going to answer a question for you in Isaiah 60 because I know you all were thinking it. While I was sharing that, I know you were thinking about Isaiah 60. So I'm going to go over to Isaiah 60 and answer that question for all you that were thinking about Isaiah 60. The Bible has told us over and over and over again Throughout Scripture, prophesied it in the Old Testament, confirmed it in the New Testament. In the latter times, God wants to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. He wants us to be in a place of absolute uh, of use for God to be able to be walking in the glory of God. I love. I'm going through a. I'm going through a latter series of Brother Hagin's called "The Glory of God." The glory of God. Man, I mean, the glory of God is described in the Bible in so many ways. The glory of God is described as a bright cloud. The glory of God is described as a bright light. The glory of God is described in so many different aspects of what the Bible teaches about. The glory of God is described in a heaviness or a weightiness of God's presence where people couldn't even stand in the room. Uh, The glory of God is His manifest presence. And guess what God wants on your life in the last days? I said, guess what God wants in, on your life? There was one time, Brother Hagin said, we were in a, in a time of, of, uh, of uh, teaching and revival in a church he was preaching in. And he said, as I was preaching every night, he said, the others didn't, some few saw it. But he said, every time I'd start preaching, I'd see this glory cloud roll in. It just filled the whole room, whole entire room. And just sit over the people, rest over the people. And the cr- most incredible miracles happened. 
And he said one night that glory cloud rolled in and he said it was not like a bright cloud. It was like a smoke filling the room. Like just a glorious looking kind of smoke filled, like glistening uh, kind of smoke filling the room. And all of a sudden, he said, we heard, uh, we heard sirens. What's all these sirens? And they're pulling up like outside. And they're like thinking, wow, like somebody heard outside or something. And they look out the window and guess what? The fire department showed up. And they come running into the door of the church. Where's the fire? Where's the fire? What do you mean? Well, we saw smoke coming off the building. We got a call, and sure enough, we looked, saw the smoke coming off the building. We, there got to be a fire over here. There ain't no fire. Well, there's the fire of God in here, but there ain't no fire. He heard testimonies of other pastors having, type of, uh, having uh, meetings as well, and the fire of God was seen on the building. We've had a prophecy given to this church. And they literally, same thing. They had a fire department show. But well, we saw the, bur- the fire burn. There's got to be a fire coming from in here because we saw it on the building. And they said, no, just the glory of God. Yes. Just the glory of God. I'm waiting for our fire department to show up. Yes. But guess what it takes for the glory of God to come? Cleanse yourselves from all that's dishonoring to God. Amen? And now you're prepared and useful for the master where he can bring the glory of God. Look at Isaiah 60, arise and shine. So how do I arise and shine? Cleanse yourself. Make a note if you want to put it by that verse. How do I arise and shine, pastor? You cleanse yourself from all that's dishonoring to God. If you will cleanse yourself from all this dishonoring to God, you're rising up to be able to be used by God where he can shine through you. You're now a vessel of honor, prepared for the master, useful for him. That's arising. If you arise and shine, notice this, your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen what? The, the glory of the Lord is risen what? Upon you, the manifest presence of God. Behold, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people were there. But the Lord will do, excuse me, the Lord will do what? Arise over you. Those who what? Arise and allow God to shine through them. Again, the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen what? That glory can be seen as a fire. It can be seen as a smoke. It can be seen as a bright light. Literally, Brother Hagin said when that glory would roll into a room, after service, he would often ask people, did you see that glory cloud? No, but the whole time you were preaching, it was like there was a, just a light emanating from off of your face. The whole time you were preaching. He said, there'd be times that glory cloud would come in. I wouldn't even know what I was preaching on. Service would be over. I'd say, what did I preach on? They said, man, it was powerful, Brother Hagin. Yeah, but what did I preach on? A lot of those were times they weren't recording messages. So I'm telling you, God wants this glory to do what? Arise upon us. Verse 2, the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen what? Upon you. And the Gentiles shall what? Come to your Light and keys to the brightness of your rising. So how do we arise and shine, church? I'll tell you how. You cleanse yourself from all that's dishonoring to God, and now you're a vessel prepared for the glory. You're a vessel prepared for the glory. Come on, somebody. You're prepared for the glory. 
And that's why I say as a believer, the more you walk with God, the closer you ought to get to God, the less the things of the world should have anything upon you, the less you should desire the things of the world. I mean, I can go back into times of my life younger that I was always involved in other things. I'm not saying you can't do other things, but I, all kinds of other activities and other things. I don't have time for that anymore because I am pressing in more and more to know God, to fulfill my calling God and what God wants for me to do. Amen? So realize, all you have to do is do what? Cleanse yourself from that which is dishonoring. How many want to see the glory of God upon you? How many, let me back up. How many want to have others see the glory of God upon you? So that when you're walking around, people say, man, there's something about you, man. I like the testimony of Jerry Savelle. He's in, a, he's in a mall one time. I think he's with one of his daughters, I believe. Well, Carol and his wife, they're, they're, in a, they're in a shop. And all of a sudden, this guy comes around a corner and he comes walking up to him. He says, pray for me. Yes. He's like, what? Pray for me. You need to pray for me. He said, well, how'd you pick me out of this entire uh, mall? He said, I was driving down the road. I was crying out to God. God, I need help with this. I need somebody to pray for me. And as I turned over to the mall, I saw this bright light emanating from the mall. And he said, the Lord told me, there's where you're to go. I turned, man, I came into the parking lot, and I've been falling, trying to catch you, following this light all through, and I finally caught up with you and caught you in the store. Pray for me. He prayed for me, got a, prayed for him, got a miracle. Amen. You know why? He had cleansed himself from all that was dishonorable. Nobody else saw it, but the guy that needed to see it saw it. And he was drawn to that light. Come on, church. We need to be a vessel of honor. 5A, in every great house... Uh, point number five, you must live in the self-purging process all your Christian days. 5A, in every great house, God's house is one of these. There are vessels of honor and dishonor. Who are the vessels of dishonor? Who are the vessels of dishonor? Those who don't cleanse themselves. B, you want to be what? You want to be a vessel of honor. See, the difference between the vessels of honor and the vessels of dishonor is the fact that some did what? Some purge themselves. Uh, 5D, we are to be sanctified and prepared for what? Every. every good work. How do I get sanctified and prepared for every good work, Pastor? Just cleanse yourself of anything that's dishonoring to God. Hebrews chapter 6 in closing. Cleanse yourself of things you shouldn't be listening to. Cleanse yourself of things you shouldn't be looking at. If you can't give, uh, excuse me, if you can't overcome temptations around you to those things, then you better find a way to cut your access off to it. But if you will cleanse yourself from that which is dishonorable, you'll be ready for God to use you. Amen? And next time then you're walking through the mall or you're in Walmart or you're wherever and somebody walks up and says, pray for me, I'll guarantee you what, they say, man, I saw this light emanating from you, you'll be ready. You'll be ready. Amen? I said, amen? And like I said, I'm waiting for them to show up here. I'm waiting for them to show up here. We have a prophecy, man. They're going to see a fire coming from this house. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. I'm waiting for Chief Williams and all of his people to show up one night. Hey, Chief Williams, how you doing? We saw a fire. Well, come on in and join in. Praise the Lord. Just keep your hose on the truck. We don't need it. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Number 6 on your notes. We are supposed to lay the foundation of our Christian life once and then go on to perfection. Read it again. We're supposed to lay the foundation of our Christian life once. 
once. And then we're supposed to do what? Go on to perfection. What do you mean? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary. Let let me add some verses to help you. Back up to chapter 5 so you understand what he's talking about. As he's writing here, Paul, to uh, this letter here through the letter of, uh, to the context of the Hebrew believers. Look at this, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. So he's not telling you all of you called to five-fold ministry. He said, no, he's talking to those whom he's writing to. He's saying, you know what? You ought to be teaching other people the word of God now. You've learned enough. You ought to know what you need to know to walk out and start teaching others. So this, by, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again. The first principles, first principles, the basics of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. What's the milk of the word? What is solid food? What is the milk of the word? What is solid food? Let me help you. Milk of the word is hearing it preached. Solid food is putting it into practice. The milk of the word. Our pastor studied this for years. The milk of the word is hearing it preached. How many know you still need the milk of the word to grow? You need to hear it preached. But to make it become solid food, what do you do? You apply it. If you're not applying it, all you're doing is hearing the milk of the word. What were they doing? Just hearing the milk of the word. If you're just a, uh, uh, you know, a, a uh, milk of the word believer, all you do is hear it preached. You don't apply it. You don't put application to it. It's not solid food till you apply it. Amen. When you apply it, it becomes solid food and you start getting stronger and you start growing up and you start maturing. But if all you do is hear the word preach, you're just on the milk. And that was their problem. They're just on the milk. They're not applying what they'd learned. They'd learned a lot and they should have been applying what they learned, but they're not. And he goes on to say in verse uh, 13, notice again, you'll see this clearly. For everyone who partakes only of milk is what? Unskilled in the word of righteousness He is a babe because solid food belongs to those who are what? Who are full age, mature. Listen, listen, that those who by reason of use, there you go. Reason of use means to practice what you've been taught. They now have their senses exercised to discern between good and evil. Why do a lot of Christians not still are able to discern between good and evil? They're not practicing what they're taught. Milk is hearing. Meat is application. When you apply it and you practice it, you start growing. You become stronger. And as you do, you start discerning good and evil by practicing the Word of God. Can you see that? Chapter 6, verse 1, Therefore, because of that, he tells them, leaving the discussion of these elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. What are we supposed to be doing? Perfecting ourselves in holiness. Let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of what? Repentance from dead works. Repentance from dead works means simply turning from things you know, you've known for years that you shouldn't be involved with anymore, but you still are. Why are you not turning from these basic things you know you shouldn't be involved in? We shouldn't be having to go back over the same discussion again and again and again of basic things you know that you should not be involved with, but yet you still are. He said you should obviously be far beyond this point at this time in your life with those who he's writing to, and you should not having to be dealing with, once again, the same old dead works that we've told you time and again you should walk free from. 
We should not have to lay again the foundation. Say foundation. The foundation of repentance, turning from dead works, and of what? Faith toward God. What's faith toward God? Doing what He told you. Why do we have to keep telling you over and over and over again these things that you don't seem to want to do? There are the basic principles. Basic principles. And notice, and also of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. All those should be things that Christians are already pretty much uh, solidified in, knowledge of, and know about. You should already be water baptized. You should already be baptized in the body of Christ, active and involved. You should be baptized in also the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, baptisms. Amen? Basic doctrines. Really simple. Really simple, right? Here's what he's telling us. Here's what he's telling us. What are the basic things as a Christian once you get born again that you should turn from from the world and turn to God on? Number one, how about turning from not going to church and turning to going to church? Basic stuff. How about dealing with your language? Basic stuff. Right? Your language should start changing. You should not be cussing everybody every day. Correct? You should not be still looking at the same old garbage of sinful things that you were looking at as a baby believer. You should start turning from that stuff. Amen. 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 You should start turning from the things of the world and turning to the things of God. And that's basic stuff that you should know as a believer that I should do. And as a believer, you're not going to obviously perfect holiness if you got to keep going over the same old things again and again and again and again. Number uh, six, again, we are supposed to lay this foundation of our Christian life once. Basics of Christianity. Basics of Christianity. And then go on to what? Perfection. 6A, we should get free from what? Dead works. So we can do what? Mature in holiness unto God. Let's go over some basic things every Christian, as you start walking with God, should learn. Right? So number one, what do you think? Well, the first key thing as a believer is that you should have in your life consistently. Huh? The Word of God should live in it, right? So I should be living in the Word of God. Should be basic. Nobody should have to be telling you every day, have you read the Bible? Oh, not in a month. When's the last time you read it? About a month ago. Basic stuff. You should know I need to be living in the Word so I can get to know God. If you're not doing that, you're not going to perfect holiness. Right? What's another one? Church, coming to hear the Word taught, receiving the Word, putting in an application. What's milk again? Hearing it, not doing it. Knowing I should do these things, but I don't do them, you're not going to go on to perfection. You're not going to perfect holiness hearing what's preached to you, basic stuff, and not doing basic stuff. What's another one? Prayer. Prayer. Developing prayer. You ought to obviously develop a prayer life. Amen? Getting baptized in the Holy Spirit will help you do that. Because before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be honest with you, I had a hard time praying. Anybody else? I had a hard time really taking time to pray. Because it's like, what do you talk to God about? Once you kind of run out of stuff to talk about, what do you talk to God about? Right? Right. So guess what makes it a whole lot easier to pray and talk to God and hear from God? Praying in the Holy Spirit. I can pray for hours in the Holy Spirit. Now, when I first started trying to, it was hard. But I just kept allowing myself to practice it more and more. And like anything else, guess what? After a while, it just became a lifestyle. It became easy. All right? So we got the Word. We got church. We got prayer. What's another one? Come on, basic stuff of what you Christians should know you should be living out. Tithing. How about money? Settling it once and for all with your money. There comes a point, if you're going to grow up in God and walk out what God has for you, you, like we talked about this morning, if you don't deal with money in your life and get it right with God, guess what's going to happen? You're going to stay in love with mammon. If you're in love with mammon, you can't love God and mammon at the same time. 
Correct? There's got to come a point as a believer, if you're not a giver or tither, honoring God. You have to eventually say, you know what? I'm settling this basic stuff. The tithe is the Lord's. I'm giving that to Him. Amen. Right? Yeah. So there's four things. Word, uh, church, prayer, tithing. What's another one? Submission. Huh? Leadership. How about submission to godly leadership? Does the Bible tell you to have a pastor? Yeah. Does the Bible tell you to submit to him? Yes. Basic stuff. Think of all the Christians today that don't have a pastor. Guarantee you what? They're not perfecting holiness. Why? They're not even getting beyond the basic foundations of what a Christian life is founded on. Can you grow without a pastor biblically? No, you cannot. Can you mature without a pastor? No, you cannot. Can you walk in the fullness of what God has for you without a pastor? No, you cannot. So anybody who says they can is literally denying what Ephesians 4 says. Right? These are basic things of Christianity. Basic things that every believer has got to set on their heart. I'm going to get in the Word and I'm going to do it because I love God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to also give. I'm also going to go to church. I'm also going to get submitted to godly leadership. Amen. What's another one? Can you give me another basic one? Serving. Huh? Serving. 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 How about using what God's given you as gifts to use in the body of Christ? God didn't call you in the body of Christ to be an observer. He, came, he called you in the body of Christ to be a participant. Isn't that right? You got to pray. God, you want to use me. If I'm a part of this body, I need to be connected. I need to find somewhere you want me to serve, somewhere you want me to be involved. Now, that doesn't mean always where you want to get involved. I've had people come to me and want to be involved in the worship team. I said, have you hurt yourself, saying? <laughs> I really have never said that. So, I thought it, though. I thought it. I've had people want to be in parts of the church that they're not called or gifted to be in. So it's not like just what I want. Your leadership needs to be in agreement. Your leadership needs to be in agreement. But you know what? God has something for you to do. It's called helps ministry. Who all, who all is called to helps ministry? Everybody. How about showing up and handing out food when we hand out food? How about being involved with other outreaches we do like Polar Express? Or being involved in aspects of what we do again here as a church, as a ministry, to be able to be a part of the work of the ministry. Can I get a better amen? So realize, too, these are basic things, folks. These are not in-depth, right? Like really hard to figure out. Boy, got to study them for years. These are basic things we got to found our life on. Let's go through them again. Word of God. Amen. Prayer. Uh, Also going to church. Also giving of my money, my tithe. Right? What's another one? Submission to leadership. And another one? Being involved in the body of Christ. This is basic stuff. And if you're not even walking in the... If you haven't even laid this foundation in your life, you can't fully mature without a proper foundation. And that's what he told them in Hebrews chapter 6. You have to come to the place where you get this foundation laid and now move on to maturity and perfection. And if you do these basic things, you'll start maturing. But it's amazing how many people today still are not maturing in God and have been walking with God, as I mentioned this morning, for a long time. As I talked to a recent pastor, person in their church, how do I deal with them? I said, don't you dare baby them. Don't you just pat them on the back and say, it's okay because you haven't been to church in a month. Because you're going through a hard time. Wrong. All you got to do is ask them, do you know you need to be in church? Oh yeah, then why are you not in church? See, if I'm going to treat you like a little baby still sucking your thumb and you're not anymore. I mean, this is somebody who's gone to church for years. 
Somebody who is, and the, and the truth is, do you know why they are where they are today still struggling? You know why? Because they've never laid this foundation to now go on to perfection by simply doing what the Bible said. Take the milk of the basics, learn to apply it, become solid food, and you'll mature and grow. And guess what you won't be doing? Unless you turn your heart from God, you won't be ditching the word, you won't be ditching church. Come on, you won't be ditching prayer. You won't be ditching giving. Come on, you won't be ditching leadership. And you won't be ditching serving God. Because that's a foundation you've built your life on. And I'm going to tell you, the enemy wants to do everything he can in the last days to pull people away from the basics of Christianity. So milk of the word, I hear what I know scripture says, basic stuff, and I do what? I live it. I apply it. And in doing so, I'm building on a strong foundation. Could I get an amen? Amen. Powerful teaching to help you in the last days, perfecting holiness. Praise God. Stand to your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.